Hi, welcome to the latest episode of our myth-busting uh, second season Accidental Marketer um, podcast. Uh, as you know, in our first season, we went through the chapters of our book, and in this one, we're actually um, trying to bust myths that we often hear. So um, with me today, I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellam. Hi, guys. Hi, Mary. Hey, Mary. Hey. So um, today's myth, which we hear often, is that um, this need-based segmentation. So we hear, you know, this is really interesting. It's it's great in theory, but it's not very practical to implement. Um, Tom, <laughs> so do you want to take this first? What is what do we mean by need based segmentation first? So companies divide customers into groups all the time, but they tend to do it in kind of uninsightful ways. They put customers into a group if they're in consumer businesses by income and geography, or they divide their customers up if they're in a B2B business by firmographics like size and industry. But this doesn't allow them to anticipate needs or really take a customer-centric approach to how they are selling to customers. Now, needs-based segmentation puts customers into groups based on their attitudes, their past behaviors, or in B2B, kind of like how they do business or you know, how, they, how they approach the world, so to speak. Consumers, especially uh, consumer-based businesses, especially e-tailers are really good at needs-based segmentation. You go to places like Amazon, they do a really great job of looking at your past history, kind of putting you into a group of other people who have seemed to have purchased what you've bought and who seem to have similar needs and, and attitudes as you. And, and they, they, they suggest other products that oftentimes really fit the bill. So, so consumer-based businesses use needs-based segmentation better than B2B businesses. But, but it, it, it's absolutely a powerful um, approach and strategy in B2B to use needs-based segmentation. All the time, we show businesses how they can divide their customers into needs-based groups rather than just firmographics. They get really excited. They see the potential for totally changing the way that they approach um, clients based on understanding their needs. But after this initial excitement, as they leave the room, so to speak, and they try to implement needs-based segmentation, it often goes south. And they want to say that at the end of the journey, that this needs-based segmentation is impractical for business to business. Sean, what goes wrong? Yeah, yeah, I think it comes under a, a general heading, first of all. So let's get, we'll get to the specifics in a moment. But generally, you know, making change happen, implementing change is always harder than the decision to make the change in the first place. You know, I could say I want to lose 20 pounds and get fit. That's an easy decision to make on, you know, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. But the actual implementation is where plans fall apart because it takes effort and discipline and things have to happen. And that means in a business sense, everybody's got to be on board with the change you're looking to make. And in this case, the change is, is marketing two segments in a different way or targeting certain segments with specific messages or value propositions. And I suppose if you don't have everyone buying into the change and making those, those differences, 
it falls back into business as usual. Take the salespeople as an example. They're, they're talking to these customers all the time, particularly in B2B where your main contact is a sales force. And they ideally want to behave differently and have different messages for different segments. But if they're not really been part of the decision to do the segmentation in the first place, they might lack ownership. They might just be in the habit of doing things that they've always done. So I guess it's 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 both a simple explanation but a difficult one to solve. And, and that is people don't automatically switch gears the very next day when you've when you've completed your segments. It takes effort to push that through the different silos in the business and get that degree of buy-in so everybody can work towards a, a similar goal. So it's a combination, ownership plus um, it's it's hard. Whatever change you're trying to implement is always difficult to get off the ground. What do you think, Barry? Well, I love it. Um, and, and I want to build on that. Um, I hadn't really even thought about that before, Sean, that it really falls into that big bucket of change management um, and, and maybe a couple of ways to make it so less daunting that we've seen that our clients have done is to not try to do it all, but rather to uh, take one segment and try to do some things with just one segment. As an example, we have a medical device company that they just did that. They said, all right, we're not going to try to boil the ocean and do all of our business, but for the next eight months, we're going to focus in on one segment we actually haven't even spent much time on. We're going to listen to what they need, and then we're going to actually do a couple of things, not even a lot, just a few things. And when they did that, they found over $200 million worth of business. And, um, and they didn't invite all the salespeople to do it either, just a select group. And the ironic thing about this was is that going through a need-based segmentation, identifying them, listening more to their needs to make sure they get it right, just executing on a couple of things, but they had no new products and no new services. They just treated them a bit different. And they found money that was just kind of laying around that they were able to get. So, you know, that's one of my favorite examples of, you know, the more difficult somebody tries to make that execution, the actually it it gets even harder. So keep it simple you know, and then have some know, examples of the results, of course. Sean? I, I, see, I was going to say that's really key to me is that you've got that a, a element of proof because we all know that if, if marketing as a, as, a, as a department comes out to the business and says, listen, everyone, we've got this great idea and we've segmented and we've got these different messages, there's bound to be a degree of skepticism. That's just the way things are. People don't tend to say, well, if marketing say it, it must be right. You know, they, they want to have proof that this works. And if you do it the way you've just described in a, in a limited way and can prove the concept to some extent, then all of a sudden people's interest is, wow, if this worked here, could it work there? So maybe part of the engagement is not just the, um, getting people involved in the initial decision, but it's also making sure that you, you, have that experimenter's mindset and demonstrate proof. Because once you have proof of a concept, it's much easier to sell. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Tom? Agreed. And and I, I think it's important to really describe maybe even a little further in practical terms what this looks like. Because what we mean by needs-based segmentation is the following. You could have two businesses that are the exact same size in the exact same industry. And most companies would have them in the same classification or same segment. 
which signals back to the organization, really nothing unique about either one of these businesses. Theoretically, and probably very practically, you would approach both of those businesses in exactly the same way. But one of those businesses might be a business that prides itself or its whole entire DNA is based on getting really close to customers. They maybe care a little bit less about margins. Everything is about finding great buys or great value for their customers and driving customer loyalty. While the other business in the exact same industry, exact same size, may all be all about operational efficiency and all about driving down their cost so they can provide the lowest cost to their customers. If you use needs-based segmentation to put those companies into different groups rather than the same group, it signals back to the organization that they require much different approaches, much different communication patterns, much different value propositions. So that's why this can be so exciting. But as both of you are saying, if the sales force, for example, isn't involved in creating those distinctions, you know, the, the customer intimate segment versus the operational excellent segment, human nature says these marketers, it's just another crazy scheme. And, and so I'm, I'm not going to play along with this. this is, I'll just wait this out until this initiative ends. And it, it often ends in failure versus getting these sales folks both involved in some kind of definition of the segments and also creating this experiment that proves that just a little bit of this focus is going to be um, something that moves the needle and it always seems to. That's the way to go about making this seem a lot more um, reasonable, a, a lot more uh, of a successful initiative in, in, in having it adopted. I think the key thing there, Tom, as well, though, is, is, is you know, let's not make, make sure we're not saying get the salespeople involved because, you know, they'll want to be involved and it will make it easier to sell. I mean, the salespeople are a rich, rich source of information. When we've done needs-based segmentation, how often do some of the biggest insights come from the salespeople? Because guess what? They're talking to these people. They're in their offices. They're seeing what goes on. I mean, they're... I wouldn't just say it's important for the execution. It's it's probably critical for the creation of segments as well. Well, that's exactly right, Sean. And execution in this case is really simply successful execution is simply the end result of involving the sales team and a cross-functional team from the beginning. Right. Right. Yeah, I want to add to this too, is is you know, we have a lot of focus on the salespeople. And, you know, we've we've said, you know, don't invite all of the salespeople in. Um, you know, the classic, there's a segmentation even in the salespeople. There's a third that probably are really excited about it and are capable. There's um, the other third at the other end of the spectrum that, you know, are like, this will pass. This is, you know, I've been here forever. And then that middle third is saying, I'm not sure which of those two are right. Well, if you include that last, you know, the one that's on the far extreme, they're going to sabotage. So don't invite them in for any part of the party until after you really have proven it, as we were saying earlier with the proof. Um, but in addition to the salespeople, this is kind of a second point is, is that there's so much data available now. So when you do identify that need-based segmentation, identify then, as Tom was saying, those characteristics about 
this size, you know, where they buy things, uh, what conferences they go to, all of those things, um, the characteristics, the what's are actually a great profile. Then you can have all the data available to find those segments. And, and with this rich data environment that we're in, you know, some of some of the work won't even be done by the salespeople. Some of it will be done by the data people that are helping you really become a lot smarter about addressing these people as well. You guys, well, I think that that's well, I think that's one of the other reasons why. Because remind ourselves, the myth we're busting is that 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 needs based segmentation is really hard to implement. But one of the reasons is identifying the particular customers that fit into a segment you know that that is one of the um the bridges that you have to cross you know it's all very well saying we've identified a theoretical segment that believe these things that want these things that act in this certain way but of course you've got to find a a practical way of identifying them and data is certainly part of that um and, and so is understanding which questions to ask them having people you know select i mean there's lots of ways that you can identify segments right yeah yeah i think the, the one of the inherent advantages of uh based segmentation in b2b is once the segments have defined and again hopefully in cooperation with the sales group right in a single afternoon in many many cases you can bring the sales organization into a room with their customer list in front of them and with a, a clear profile, like Mary, you're talking about, for, of, of what are the differences between each of the segments, probably at least 50 and up to 80% of their customers on their list can be segmented or bucketed, you know, Sean is saying, identified in a course of a single afternoon. And you can walk out of that room not only knowing what the segments are, but what customers fit into the segments for the most part. And then, of course, whatever remains, if there's some questions around where certain other customers fit, the sales force is armed with the knowledge of the differences between the segments and can have a plan to go and on their next visit, ask a few key questions of that customer and get them bucketed. Yeah. So it can be really efficient. Yeah. You know, um, as you're describing this, one what what we see sometimes why people say this is this is impractical this is hard to do is because they're looking for perfection and um and it's it is it's an art and a science to do this and it's never it's not going to be perfect and it doesn't have to be perfect if you're selling we're we're joking about if you're selling beer or cereal you know in a consumer world that has to be almost perfect research you know you have to research it and you have to have great segmentation but in B2B, there's so many companies that aren't doing it that there's a likelihood that your competitors aren't. So you just pretty much have to run faster than them and, you know, as they say, or have a better segmentation that gives you some insight. But if it's 51% right and it puts you in the right direction, that's even better than not doing anything at all. So um, I, I think that enemy of trying to, you know, be perfect is is part of the cause why people think it's just impractical. But if they just you, you, remove that barrier, it helps. You, you see that a lot with uh, we we tend to have a high, at least I notice this. I, you guys agree? We have a high proportion of engineers and scientists in our marketing classes, right? Rather than classical marketing people, and sometimes it's the diff most difficult job to point out that you know uh, a, a guess, an educated guess, is good enough. You know, we're not trying to to prove a formula. I, I work with the guy 
in the US once. This may be a common phrase over your side of the pond, but he, he said it's horseshoes and hand grenades. You know, close is good enough. <laughs> and I thought that's probably true. You know, it, it's, it's, it's being closer than you were before. It's being closer than your competitors. And at the end of the day, why do we segment? We, we do it to give ourselves a commercial or competitive advantage. And, and any advantage is good. Obviously, you want to get the most advantage you can. But if you're 10% better off than you were yesterday, that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. Tom? I think it's beyond um, the obvious effects of needs-based segmentation in B2B where you know, you, you're able to provide customers with communication value propositions as closer to what they want. And, and, and maybe just as importantly, not talk about the things they don't care about. There's, there's another benefit. I think many B2B organizations that sell a lot of different products and sell them in silos, such as to the point where they, their sales reps cross each other in the parking lot because they're both calling on the same client, but it's not coordinated. Mm-hmm. The true promise of B2, uh, B2B needs-based segmentation is it can give organizations a common way to look at common clients and a great platform for how to approach them in a more coordinated manner. And the companies that figure that out have a huge, huge advantage. So it's worth, so what's the, it's worth getting over, over the execution problems. Yeah. I was going to say, so, so what's the summary then? This is a, 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 an interesting one, but what's, what's, the, what's the headline, do you think? To, to, to me, the headline is uh, hopefully people can see that it is um, executable and practical to do needs-based segmentation in B2B. If you involve the right people from the beginning, if you do um, pilots, prove the case slowly, and expand over time and just move faster than your competitors do. And, and don't don't look for perfection. I guess yeah. look look for look for progress. Yeah, and it and then and then that is the practical part of it. Um, so you know, as always, if you actually try any of this and you want to share with us, we would love to hear about it. Um, and you can go to our accidentalmarketer.com website and click on other podcasts and and provide us with any feedback. And um, our podcasts are also on iTunes, where you can give us ratings and reviews. So thank you very much for joining us.